Welcome to the Mornings with Sue and Andy podcast for Monday, October 25th. We begin with a look at the topic of supply chain issues, in particular what this means for the upcoming holiday season. We speak with a professor in supply chain management to find out exactly what's behind the problem and for how much longer we can expect to see a shortage on the shelves. Next, can we draw a parallel between the fictional Netflix show Squid Game and real life? Well, according to one debt specialist, we can learn some lessons from the hit TV show when it comes to our personal struggles with money. We discuss with Taz Rajon, community engagement partner at Bromwich & Smith. Do you have people in your life, be it family, friends, or co-workers, who are vaccine-hesitant? Do you know how to even broach the topic with those opposed to getting the COVID-19 shot? We get some tips from Miles Leslie, Associate Director of Research from the School of Public Policy at the University of Calgary. And finally, it's our weekly segment aimed at helping you live your best life. This week on Motivational Monday, we meet local author, speaker, and psychologist Gemma Stone and hear her thoughts on how chocolate, believe it or not, can be a powerful tool in helping you reach your goals. And Christmas, just two months away, but you might want to get that head start on your shopping now. Canada is facing support supply chain problems ahead of the busiest shopping season of the year. Joining us to understand why this is happening and what consumers can expect is Rajbir Bhatti, Associate Professor of Supply Chain Management at Mount Royal University. Good morning to you, Professor Bhatti. Thanks so much for joining us. Thank you for having me, Sir Andy. Great. Let's talk, morning, a, let's talk a little bit about it. Can we blame this fully on COVID, the supply chain issues that Canadian shoppers and businesses are going to be facing and are facing right now? Well, we could really put it on the COVID-induced supply chain stresses that we've been uh, facing around the world for the last 18 months. Uh, you know, supply and demand are out of balance. And uh, there are containers that are sitting at ports for more than 60 days, not moving. And uh, uh, we are looking at shortages for sure, yes, because of the pandemic. Professor... Is there one industry or one type of product that is being hit harder, or is this kind of an across-the-board issue? It's across the it's across the board. You know, some of them are too too many a problem, and some of them are too few a problem. Uh, you know, it's it's all out of balance. That is the problem. You know, we feel the automobile sector the most sometimes. I, I felt it in the last few months. I was looking for a new vehicle. There's none on the lots. Mm-hmm. Uh, but beginning with cars to toys to Halloween stuff uh, to patio heaters, you are going to see it across the board for most of the items. Yeah, you know things were already bad, and then over the weekend we heard about those forty shipping containers that fell into the ocean after the that ship hit some rough seas out off the coast of BC. So it just it's it's not helping the situation that's already not in and it, uh, having a bad time. So any any thoughts on how long these delays might last? These supply chain issues. It, it is likely so that we we see all of this go into the next year. So, say January or February of the next year is sometime when this will uh, likely ease, if at all. You know, North America has a perennial problem, historical problem of shortages of truck drivers. So, there are goods that are coming into ports, but they are not being moved out at the same rate at which they are coming in. Mm. So, that is why, uh, you know, you, you're not going to have hundreds and thousands of drivers overnight. So so let's all be prepared that 
your your holiday goods have been ordered they are there but they're not probably going to come to you in soon yeah Wow. So, you know, besides the patient's game, are there ways that we can mitigate these uh, supply chain issues? Is, are there workarounds for anybody, any any other places we can get these goods? Well, uh, supply chains have, are, are already learning uh, to, to design resilience in, in their operations, but it will take a while before, uh, you know, we see the operations resulting uh, in, in smooth flows. So we are working for newer routes of goods coming in from you know, we don't have to have uh, over-dependence on some ports or the others. For instance, Long Beach and, and you know, uh, Vancouver, they are, they are overloaded. But then are there other ports through which we can come in? Are there road, rail, air networks that could be leveraged? Uh, the the overstretched road network uh, is, is looking at platooning of trucks. So rather than have, you know, one driver drive one truck, can I have one driver in, in one vehicle, drive six or seven trucks. The remaining five or six are connected to the first truck using technology, and they just follow along like the train does. So we are we are very advanced in those stages. People will have to invest money, time. Uh, governments will have to bring in support. Tuning is one good sub- solution to this problem. Uh, even as I speak, we are 80,000 drivers short uh, in the United States and 15,000 in this city. Incredible. Wow. This is, yeah. So it's only going to get better with time, but we, we need to be patient here. Yeah, you mentioned the trucking issue, particularly in North America, highlighting the you know supply chain issues. I'm wondering, other areas of the world, are they as hard hit as we are here in North America? Or have they had more success getting products to their people? That's a very good question. So other areas uh, do not have such a heavy reliance on the road networks as we do have in the north, in the west. So and of course they have, you know, ex- access to drivers, at least in the right numbers. We don't. We've never had that 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 advantage. So shortage of drivers is causing this congestion at the ports. Your goods are sitting there. They are not moving out. Now we've even come to that stage to an end that. There are goods on high seas in on the on the beds of those ocean liners, which cannot even dock the port of Vancouver because the port of Vancouver is full. It only has a finite amount of real estate. So once that is full and you are not withdrawing port, uh, containers out of the ports, more containers cannot come in. So it's it's a lineup in the sea now, uh, which is. We've never seen something like that. Wow. Procrastinators beware then for those who do their Christmas shopping on Christmas Eve might not be your best bet this year. Thank you so much. A wonderful discussion. Appreciate your time this morning. Thank you very much. You have a good day. Take you care. Too. Bye-bye. Rajbir Badi, Associate Professor of Supply Chain Management at Mount Royal University. And, I mean, we've talked about it many times on this show of all the things that people have been having trouble getting over the past year. And the, it's just going to continue, obviously. He's saying well into 2022. Well, I ran into this twice on the weekend, Sue. And, as you know, uh, Halloween is the biggest uh, date in the world on mm-hmm. uh, the calendar in the Schultz household. Wanted to get a full-size skeleton. You know, like the six-footers. Yeah. I don't want to pay 80 bucks for a plastic skeleton. Uh, I checked on Amazon, and, uh, you know, the $30 ones, they might be able to get them to you by November 10th. 
That's great for, <laughs> it's for Halloween 2022. Well, yeah, it is. Yep. Um, and then I went into the store and they had slim pickings for the other ones. Plus, yeah. again, I don't want to spend 100 bucks on something that I could get if the timing was better. That's the frustrating part, right? Yeah. And next door to the spirit of Halloween that I was at is SML Entertainment, who advertised here at the station. Yeah. And I know uh, I've uh, met him and dealt with him in the past, Dean Fisher, who is uh, one of the head honchos at SML. I said, how's business? And he said, well, huge. It's, it's been great. You know, for the video games, the patio furniture that we had, we had quite a bit of stock. But he said to this day, this is a hot tub. So it's not just him. You want to get that hot tub. They don't know when they can get it to you. It's right. not them. And it's not one particular deal, a dealer. And he wants to get hot tubs to people as, as quickly as he can. And they, they have some selection, no question. But, you know, as far as what it would normally be, not the case. And he's, he said, that's a struggle. He said, we've, we're doing okay. You know, come on in and, and uh, you know, look around and see what you, but. Well, once it's out of our hands, we're not sure exactly when that product will get yeah. to you. It's the order, the orders are in, but it doesn't mean the product is going to. I mean, we've talked to um, you know Patricia from Bow West Appliance yes. at the beginning. You know, when everybody was hoarding ground beef, she couldn't keep deep freezes no. in stock, and they couldn't. They had no idea when they might get more in. And I know it's you know it's been an issue with big appliances for all of the fridges, the stoves, all of it. Every I don't think there's any industry or any product that hasn't been touched. By the fact that they don't know when they're going to arrive. Bicycles, skateboards, everything. Yeah. Nobody really knows when this stuff is going to arrive because it's all being backed up and, and never seen before and how to you know solve the backup issues. They want to help you out, but when they can't get the product, yeah. that is the issue. Squid Game, the enormous record-breaking South Korean Netflix show, hits close to home as a personal finance parable for the Times. Joining us to discuss how Squid Game might relate to your life is Taj Rajan, community engagement partner with Bromwich and Smith. Good morning to you, Taz. Good morning. How are you today? Good. Thank you for taking the time with us. It's a show everybody's talking about, Squid Game, about desperate adults competing in deadly games for a chance to escape overwhelming debt. The debt part, uh, I believe, hits close to home for a lot of people, doesn't it, Taz? Yeah, you know, it, it's placed in South Korea, but it, it's very, you know, close to Canadian households. I think that's what makes it so popular because if you look at the cost of living, high grocery prices, soaring fuel costs, and just, you know, how indebted Canadians are, it, it's very close and very relatable. So what can we do? We don't probably want to have a life and death game like they do in Squid Game, but I know there are other things that we can do, Taz. How, how can you help them out? What are kind of the first steps if you realize that you're starting to swim in debt? Yeah, you know, one of the first lessons from the show is, you know, uh, we see the main character, Sun Jin, um, you know, he, instead of, you know, he, he goes and he gambles and, you know, he wins. And rather than taking those winnings and maybe paying off his debt, he kind of goes and gambles again, tries to win something for his daughter. So, you know, one of the first things we can do is really face our debts, right? A rolling stone stone gathers no moss. You can't rebuild your worth if you're running away from your financial obligations. But one of the first things is to actually face our debt and make an effort on our own to repay that debt. All right. And number two, you've sent some points along. Spend your money wisely. And I know that we all think we're doing that, but I guess we could be more diligent. even mindful of what we're doing with our money, right? So I think we can, especially with these days, you know, you can have your debit card on your phone and it's just tap, 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 away we go. And, you know, we're not necessarily being mindful of, is this moving me closer to my goals or not? So just having that moment to just 
think before we actually spend that money. And if we've got debt, you know, to sort of be thinking, okay, is this moving me closer to paying down this debt or is this getting me further down that rabbit hole? And you know, Taz, maybe it's it's that um, you know writing everything out like we used to do back in the good old days, and maybe we do it again, right? Put that budget in place and look at you know, am I spend am I buying a coffee every day, and how much is that actually costing me over the week, months, year, and is it something I can afford? You know, I know the coffee you know analogy feels so cliche and so overdone, but really, truly, it, that's what happens, right? It's like it's a dollar here and you know three dollars mm-hmm. there, but it's that compound effect, and it can either work against us or it can actually work for us. So even you know, as you say, yes, writing it down and actually being mindful, but you know, as we're working on a goal, it doesn't have to be these grand gestures. We don't have to wait till we've got you know ten thousand dollars that we can you know now you know, tax away, put away to our debt, it can be just in these small increments, the way that we kind of add up our coffee bill as well. Taz, in, in, the, in the show, The Squid Game, these people try to take uh, themselves out of debt by uh, taking part in a deadly game show. Uh, they didn't ask for financial help, perhaps where they should have. So I'm wondering, well, um, hopefully there's no real squid game that people can <laughs> sign up for. At what point do we know it's, it's time to ask for professional help? What should we look for? Right. God forbid, please don't put yourself in that situation if that is available. But yeah, I think, you know, it can be human nature and we see that in the game as well, right? To think that there's some sort of shame in reaching out for help. And there's this idea that we're alone. Like if you think about the start of that game, they start with 456 players. And later in the show, you find out that this has been going on for years. So even if we think on average, let's say they have about 300 players every year, it goes to show that you're not alone. You're not the only one in debt. And quite often what happens is we wait until it's this dire situation to reach out for help. And in the show, you know, uh, Son asks, what is the wrong people for help? He, go, help? he goes to his ex-wife and he goes to his best friend and that doesn't bode well. So I, I want to say, thank goodness, we don't have to do that in Canada. Um, and let's not wait until it's so bad. Why are we waiting until the collection agency is calling or there's a lien on our home or CRA is you know, on our case? Let's ask for help now. And it's really important to know who to ask for help. It's, it's not necessarily your friends and family. It's the debt experts in Canada who are licensed insolvency trustees. Taz, if people call Bromwich and Smith and, and want to talk to you or someone else, one of your, your partners there, is there a cost to it? Or how does that look? If somebody says, I don't have any money, how am I going to get help and pay for it? That's the conundrum, right? Usually when you're feeling that overwhelmed by debt, you're a little bit worried about, okay, who is going to help me and what is that going to cost me? I, I can't afford to pay my debt. How do I afford to pay somebody to help me out of debt? So the consultation is completely free, no obligation, and it's not scary. That's the thing I really want to say. It's fear that holds us back. So it's a non-judgmental, you know, objective conversation where you're just going to talk about your situation and figure out what the different solutions are. Um, and then there are costs involved with a consumer proposal. You know, it's, it's in your monthly payment. And then with a bankruptcy, again, this is federally legislated. And you just got to know when you're in that dire situation, we're here to work with you through that and not to make it worse. And you don't want to be working with someone who says, yes, I'm going to help you out, but it's going to cost you $5,000 and you can pay that to me in monthly installments. Good stuff. Good to know that it's not scary and uh, you'll be there to answer the questions. We appreciate you answering our questions this morning, Taz. Thanks so much. Thanks for having me. Have a great day. You too.
That is Taz Rajan, community engagement partner at Bromwich and Smith. Online at Bromwich and the word and Smith.com. Many Albertans feel anger and frustration towards unvaccinated people, but what can we do to bridge the divide and channel that anger and frustration into a productive conversation? Joining us now to help understand vaccine hesitancy is Miles Leslie, Associate Director of Research, School of Public Policy at the University of Calgary. Good morning to you, Miles. Good morning. Well, let's start with uh, something right out the gate here. We hear anti-vax. We've we've heard that term a lot. Why is labeling people anti-vax problematic? Well, I suppose it's helpful to people at some level, right? We all like to be able to get through our day by putting folks into categories and understanding, you know, that's the crazy guy, so I'm not going to sit next to him on the bus. That's helpful. But in the conversations that we're having, and I guess that's the bigger problem, is we're just not having any conversations. When you decide that somebody's anti-vax, then you sort of put them aside and say that there's no point in having a conversation with them. Now, maybe that's actually their preference and they don't want to go anywhere with it. But as soon as you're not talking to anybody, then, well, I guess it kind of defines itself. You're not talking to anybody. And if we're not talking to anybody anymore, how could we possibly sort of move things forward. So it's more about that term itself that maybe causes some strife right off the top. So what factors, let's look at this, what factors can make someone resistant to getting vaccinated? Well, there's a, there's an awful lot of stuff going on for folks um, that are uh, hesitant about or completely resistant to the vaccine. Um, it might be uh, as easy as, and I say easy because it isn't going to be easy for the person, but as easy as they have a fear of needles, um, in which case there's all sorts of stuff that can be done to make this easier and and sort of less anxiety-inducing. Or it could go up to they have concerns about the science that went into this, how quickly the vaccines were developed. Um, They might say that they have religious objections. They might say that the rest of the people in their community, whether it's a religious community or the people they fish with or whatever else, aren't doing this kind of thing. So why would they? Each one of those forms of hesitation, which might sort of, if you took it all the way, harden into total resistance, is something that needs to be talked about in a different way. So, again, we come back to that idea that if you lump everybody together and say, oh, well, they're just anti-vax, it sort of sounds like there's probably only one solution as well. There's a bunch of different solutions because there's a bunch of different kinds of hesitancy out there. Earlier you mentioned, you know, if you're not talking, you're not moving anything forward as far as, you know, uh, the direction of getting people vaccinated, keeping people healthy. So how should we approach a conversation with a vaccine-hesitant person? I think one of the big take-homes from the the folks who've done, uh, the research that we did was sort of around the edges of this. There's, There's folks that have done really strong, focused research on how to have these conversations. And they're saying that the take-home for this is you don't aim for yes. The whole point isn't that this is a it's some sort of game where somebody's going to win and somebody's going to lose. And if you're coming in hesitant or anti-vax, then I win if I get you to put this into your arm. I think most of us know that if, if you get marketed to like that, you, you kind of go, uh, no. I'm not going to do that because I just don't want to because you're telling me that I have to. The goal of the conversation is to have a conversation about it. Um, it's, it's kind of, I don't know, I, interesting is one way to put it, but maybe even a little depressing. Some of the mail I've got about this kind of thing from people comes from both sides. 
pro-vax, anti-vax. And I've just said, oh, please don't use those kinds of labels. Not because you can't use labels in life, but because it shuts down conversation. I get mail from pro-vaccine folks who say, you can't say this. There's no moral equivalency between the position of saying, I don't want to get vaccinated and the position that you should get vaccinated because it's good for the community. And I get mail from people on the other side who say, no, 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 you have to leave me alone. Nobody should talk to me at all about my not wanting to get vaccinated. Well, both of those positions are based on the idea that nobody's supposed to talk to anybody. Well, if we don't talk to anybody, I guess we're going to stay exactly where we are, Mm -hmm. which some people would say, yeah, that's pretty good. And other people would say, I don't really think that that's going to help in the long run. I'm not trying to stick handle anybody. I'm not trying to tell anybody what to do. I'm trying to say, change your expectation for the conversation so that it's not, I'm going to win this one. I'm totally going to try to convince somebody. It's, I'm going to try to hear about where they're coming from. Where, what, what's the real concern here? Is this about government interfering with your life? Is this about how it feels in your religious world? Is it, where is this coming from? Because it's only by engaging people with that kind of empathy, as opposed to, I'm going to win this one, that we might be able to have a conversation. And in the end, we've got to respect the idea that this is their body. This is what they get to do, right? Thanks for your take, Miles. Great points. And uh, the conversation continues. Appreciate it. Not a problem. Thanks for having me. Miles Leslie, Associate Director of Research, School of Public Policy at the U of C. Well, this is Motivational Monday, chance to get you motivated today and beyond. Joining us this morning is Gemma Stone, Calgary psychologist, author, and speaker. Good morning, Gemma. Thanks for being with us. Good morning. Good morning, Sue. I'm delighted to be here. Thank you. Fantastic. Okay, so in your practice, you help people build emotional intelligence and resilience so they can navigate hard times in a healthy way, but you also help them build lives and businesses that they love. So how do we, maybe this is too big a question for six o'clock on a Monday morning, (laughs) but how do we start to create a life that we love? Mm -hmm. I love that question. And for me, the primary focus is all about alignment. So I'm really passionate about helping people align the conscious, subconscious, and unconscious levels of the mind, as well as work with the mind and body to create alignment so that it feels like we're all, all parts of us are working towards the direction of our dreams and goals rather than feeling like one part of us is working one way and another part is working another way. And then it feels like we get stuck and trapped in self-sabotage and kind of feels like that we're fighting ourselves. Do you think, Gemma, that some people don't know what alignment feels like because life may have uh, thrown curves at them and they've been topsy-turvy for so long? Uh, you know, how, do, how do you know when you have succeeded in having that alignment? Yeah, that's such a great question. And I do think that's the case because often what happens is that our conscious mind may want one thing, but our conscious mind is only about 5 to 10% of our mind. And so our subconscious mind may want something different. And our subconscious mind is about 80 to 90%. So anytime it feels like you're fighting yourself, then it can often be a result of not having alignment. Or let's say that maybe your mind wants something, but your body doesn't want it. So I also work a lot with nervous system regulation. So let's say that you're wanting to work towards a goal but maybe you feel stressed out, you feel anxious, you feel afraid, and your body doesn't want that goal, but your mind does. It can feel like you're fighting yourself, almost like if you imagine there's an elephant and a rider, and the rider wants to go one way, the elephant wants to go another, and they're yanking on the reins Mm -hmm. trying to figure out which way to go. That's what it feels like. So mind-body, but the spirit part is really important too, and is that something that we're lacking? And I don't mean God, I just mean, you know, being able to sort of connect and, and kind of 
I don't know, be, be more, a little more into yourself and how you're feeling and how things are working within you? Yeah, that's really, I'm so glad you brought that in. So I really like to look at mind, body, spirit, and soul. So soul is that essential part of who you are. Often people will refer to that as your authentic self. And then spirit is more that sort of relationship that you have to energy and something that's bigger and beyond yourself, whatever that might be. So I really think that's an important part of alignment as well. All right, Gemma, let's get to your point number two, a tip to live your best life. A life Where's you number love. one? Did we do, did we not do number <laughs> no, one? No, oh. that's my favorite one. Yeah, the one. tips. <laughs> Because, you know what, you know, I feel like we covered this, Gemma, because Sue hasn't stopped talking about your number one point, um, and it involves eating something. What are we eating yeah. and why? Because I think I don't think it's silly. I just, I don't understand, uh, you know, why this is number one. So she seemed to, to catch on. What is it? Oh, my goodness. I'm with you, Sue. This is actually, I lo- I'm so delighted to put this on the list because it's one of my favorite things to do. So that's eating dark chocolate. Now, this one is powerful for two reasons. One is because the actual effects of dark chocolate on the mind. So in dark chocolate, that can increase the production of endorphins, serotonin, and dopamine. So endorphins help to relieve stress and pain. They, they're, they're the things that give you those good vibes after a great workout. Dopamine can help with memory. It can increase your heart rate, pleasure, and motivation. Serotonin is all about well-being and happiness. It can boost your mood. There's a bit of caffeine in it, so it helps with focus. And there's magnesium as well, so it's a natural stress reliever. So dark chocolate, 70% or higher, pretty like lower sugar, minimal refinement is one of my first tips. And when you eat it, the magic is to eat it mindfully. So not only are you getting the neurochemical release of all these wonderful endorphins and neurotransmitters, but if you savor it mindfully, it also becomes like a meditation. And most of us know how wonderful meditation is for the mind. So have a little piece, let it melt on your tongue. Do a dark chocolate meditation at least once a day. You know, we do Motivational Monday every Monday, obviously. And when we ask for these tips, you've just won the tips award (laughs) so far with that one. So, okay, I love it. And I really, I like the eating it mindfully part of it. So chocolate, eat dark chocolate, number one. Number two Mm -hmm. motivational tip also involves a color. Yes, yeah. So number two is actually one of my favorites as well. I'm a big lover of nature. I think we're beyond blessed to have the Rocky Mountains in our backyard. So number two is to see green. So different colors can cause different psychological states. And the color that influences our motivation and our energy the most is green. So if you're like me, you can head out to the mountains, look for green If in, in nature. If that gets a little difficult as the season changes, you can also just have photos of green landscapes on your computer or on your phone. Or another thing you can do is you can fill your home with green plants. But as you in, invest in seeing green in your environment, then you're going to have these natural motivation boosts throughout the day. All right, now let's get to number three, which is uh, be growth-minded. And uh, I think this involves being super mindful because I guess it would be different for all of us when we say growth-minded. Everybody has a, a different path to a certain extent. Am I right there? Yeah, you're absolutely right. So the first two, I think those are kind of simple, easy ones. I wanted to pick one that is a little bit more of an intentional challenge. So to be growth-minded means we really want to focus on the destination instead of, or we don't want to focus on the destination. We want to focus on the journey. So we want to visualize the steps to getting where we want to go. We want to focus on what we're learning along the way. We really want to focus on things like what's the next small step rather than getting overwhelmed with the bigness of the destination If we connect with our why, that means we're also being growth-minded. And another tip is to um, praise like to praise effort instead of traits. So we really want to give ourselves credit for what we're doing and how much effort we're putting into it and what we're learning along the way rather than being at a specific destination in a specific amount of time. So growth-minded is another tip. 
That is a great one. You know, as a psychologist, I guess it's no surprise that, you know, I I feel like your tips really involve using your own brain, your own mind to sort of take you to places sometimes that you might not physically be able to go because that's really kind of key in this world, isn't it? Yeah, it really is. You know, I think that that our mind is our most powerful asset. And the more work we do to get our mind on our side, to get our mind with a, aligned with the life we love, I think the more happiness we experience, the more motivation, and ultimately the more success in whatever way we define that to be. Let's talk about, you know, what you do for a living and how social media has changed that. Because, you know, a lot of the times we talk about social media being a negative uh, because there's so much information coming at us. Uh, but for you if, you, if you hop on your social media channels, you have very positive messages and you seem to, to have an idea how to use it, you know, to help people. So uh, is it a double-edged sword in your mind as well? Yes, I think social media can be a little bit of a slippery slope. But the most important thing is, I think, to, again, stay focus on alignment. So who do you want to be and how do you want to live? What message do you want to send out into the world? What impact do you want to have? Or if you're more on the receiving end, what's the information that's going to support you in living in alignment with your best life? And then to curate and cultivate social media, either in terms of what you share or what you consume that's in alignment with the life that you love. Great tips. Great conversation. Thanks so much for joining us, Gemma. My pleasure. Thank you so much. Have a beautiful day. You too. Gemma Stone is a speaker, author, and psychologist. She's the author of a book called Your Great Life, A Soulful and Strategic Guide to Designing a Life You Love. And it is GemmaStone.org as her website. So why, are you going to the vending machine right now for that dark chocolate? I sure am. She's getting up and running out, so I'll, I'll read this next I'll be, ba- I'll be back. Thanks for downloading and listening to the podcast. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review for free at Apple Podcast, Google Play, or wherever you find your podcasts. And tune in to Mornings with Sue and Andy from 530 to 9 every weekday morning on 770 CHQR.